1: Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess.
0: Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Thank you for joining us here today on the Quirky Dog Podcast. And we are excited to talk to you about all of the joys that summer can bring, but also some of the dangers that summer can bring, especially as it relates to your dog. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. (coughs) You want to give them our tip?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's been a hell of a week, but I'm going to get right into the tip. So the tip of the are you week? Too tired? Is, are you
0: too tired for the tip right now?
1: No, it's been stress and anxiety all week. <laughs> it's been stress and anxiety all
0: 2020.
1: So what I have here are some pieces of old leashes, the ends with the bolt snap on them. And um, we use them as a tab. So if you have a dog that's not fully trained, and maybe dog's getting up on the couch and you want to get them off the couch, I would recommend that you clip on maybe 18 inches of an old leash. So instead of giving the dog a big hug every time they do something wrong to move them, you can just pick up the leash and give them some guidance off the couch or away from the front door or window if they start barking. And um, you can buy these. I mean, this is like a professional one that you could purchase. And uh, the theory here is that you start by letting them drag a whole leash and then you go to a half leash and you keep making it shorter and shorter until you don't need it anymore. So... Uh, I used to use one something like this that had a little ring on the end where I could clip an actual leash onto it and then I'd unclip the leash as if I've taken the leash off but there was still a little bit extra hanging on the dog. So that's it that's the tip of the day.
0: I think you were the first one that kind of explained that to me too even with the recall if you use a long line at first and then you go to a six foot leash and then you go shorter and shorter and shorter the tab itself for the dog is like oh okay like I still have some piece of equipment under me. I they still have some it control. They associate it with some control, yeah. yeah. And then a lot of dogs that are snarky, especially small dogs, no offense to our small dogs, but um, getting off the couch or whatever, if they're going to go after you for picking them up at night, you could just take that leash, clip it right to the end of the tab, and then get them off the couch rather than reaching yeah, in and getting nice a It's always nice to have a dog that
1: goes after you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a dog... Well, like Some
0: my, dogs are a little cranky while a they're A lot napping. of us have
1: dogs that go after us.
0: I get a little cranky while I nap, too. All right, so we're going to talk about summer. And summer can be great and it's great to have no blue green algae so far in the waters. That was a big problem last year. Dogs had a health concern with swimming. And there's a lot of joys with summer. Right oh, now I, it's I a love little, summer. Pike
1: parties, <laughs> nude beaches. That's
0: not as that's not quite as exciting for the dogs, but it's exciting for Scott, I suppose. So one thing, though, that people sometimes fail to consider or realize or think about, especially since we've all been cooped up for months and now we can finally start getting out and doing stuff, is the way that the heat impacts our dogs. So the first thing I want to bring up, in case for some reason you're not going to join us this whole episode, is water intoxication, because that is something that isn't um, that widely known, I'd say. It doesn't happen that frequently, luckily, but if you have a dog who loves swimming... That's like the best activity to do during the summer, right? Your dog's hot. It's a lake. Let's go swimming. If your dog is swimming a lot, like... For an hour, let's say, and they're ingesting a lot of water, they can have something called water intoxication, which looks similar to overheating, but um, you'll see like a loss of coordination. The dog could vomit. Um, There definitely be a gum color change, like the gums will start getting a little bit lighter. And then if it really advances, you can go into like seizing and everything else. So it's something that you want to be thoughtful of. Uh, Swimming is a great thing to do with our dogs in these warmer temps, but if your dog is super excited about going into the water and go, 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 go balls to the walls, make sure that you give them, you know, a five minute break here and there so they can kind of regulate their bodies. And I didn't bring one, but can I have your coffee top? No. (laughs) One thing that a lot of people do is they'll throw like balls or bumpers or something to the dog. And that's fine. That's like a great toy. You want anything that'll float. But the flatter the toy is for the dog to grab that toy, the better it actually is. They're not going to have as much water going into their mouth. So if I throw a tennis ball out, they have their gums open in the back and all that water can rush in and water intoxication can be more of a concern for dogs like that. I
1: think you're more likely to have that happen with a a dog that is real driving for the ball. It's doing a lot of retrieving and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: but little dogs it can have happen quicker because they're smaller. It's just kind of one of those little known facts that it's that type of situation where people say like, oh my God, this just happened to my dog. And we know a lot more dog people than you guys. So we are more aware of this situation. And you just think your heart sinks like, oh my gosh, I wish someone had known that water intoxication was a thing rather than just seeing their dog struggle after swimming for half an hour. And then maybe their dog didn't make it. So just yeah. keep that in mind. Do a quick Google research. Swimming's awesome, yeah. but watch for too much in the water intoxication.
1: I don't think that's too big of a thing, but-
0: I know, Scott.
1: You know, I've never seen a dog get water intoxication in my life. Scott
0: always weighs in. You've swam like a dozen dogs in your whole
1: life. They all lived.
0: (laughs) Okay, so uh, let's talk about dogs in cars. That's a good one for you. I think this
1: is much more important than the damn water intoxication. I just want to get it out out of the way. Leaving dogs in a car when you run in to get a coffee or go into Home Depot to get something you think it's going to be two minutes. Next thing you know, they got you waiting on a line, standing in these spots, putting on a mask. Two hours later, you come back and your dog's all dried up in the back seat. And yeah.
0: now it's becoming like a criminal thing, too. So you have As to. As it, w- it
1: should be. It well, should be. there's
0: a difference between it being a 75 degree day and there being good ventilation in the car and you running into the gas station to pay for gas versus being in a store for three hours in a 90 degree day. But people can legally break windows, call police, do all kinds of stuff. So be careful about leaving your dogs in the car and especially leaving them where they're visible. Maybe they're loose or something, at least if they're in the crate in the back and you can give ventilation and everything else, you have some more options.
1: Yeah. I posted this on my Facebook page and, uh, it just talks about the difference between inside the car and outside the car real quick. I just want to hit on it. 75 degree day seems really moderate, not a big deal inside the car 99 degrees. And it goes up really quick. I mean, 80 degrees outside, 112 in the car. So the dog is not going to last in the car for 20 minutes. You know, I'm not saying it's going to kill them, but they're going to suffer a great deal. You know, you get to a 90-degree day, it gets up 120 degrees in the car. So be thoughtful about that. And, um, you know, I used to travel with dogs in a utility van when I lived in Los Angeles where it could get up to 100 degrees. uh, Pretty, you know, it was a common thing. And uh, I used to put, and I'm not trying to jump ahead.
0: That's okay, we But I would
1: get big spaghetti pots and fill them with water and put them in my freezer. And then I would put these spaghetti pots, it's like a big ice block, in the crate with the dog attached to the side. And uh, it was beautiful in the, in, the, um, in the van, I mean, as far as temperature. You know, I'd have these big blocks of ice, the dogs would be very comfortable, they were never panting. And of course, they'd be, and then as it melted, they would drink the water that was in the pot. But it was, again, it was a utility van. It wasn't a nice vehicle because there is going to be water. I'd come out and there'd be water running out of the corner of my van on the on the parking lot, you know.
0: And you were talking about, too, with travel, that there's a little bit of a risk there with
1: the big well, you want to you want to fasten slunker. them if you're going to have something like that. You, you don't
0: want to have a 20-pound dog and then the spaghetti pot of frozen by sev- ice 75 yeah. block goes ice. into the skull. Now we're talking about a little bit different situation. But it's a good way to keep the crate cool. And if you can just isolate the crate itself, uh, barring that all your electronics are functioning well or all of your gadgets, that's important. Speaking of that, Ryobi fans are on sale right now. That is a huge dog person item. So they're battery-operated fans. You get them at Home Depot. I think Walmart smells. Yeah, sells them. And these are
1: rechargeable batteries. Yeah. So they're really powerful, like the drills.
0: Yeah. So you get
1: really good uh, They You
0: can hook them right in front of your pressure. dog's f- crate, and their crate can be a lot cooler than your actual car. And we had Sensor Push on a few weeks back on the podcast, and we really like that product for this exact reason. You can have a sensor push in your car. If your dog's not going to be an ass about it, you can put a sensor push inside their crate. You can know the temperature of the crate, of the car, of whatever you're looking at, and it's all Bluetooth activated. So you want to be aware of these things so you don't run into a problem. Because The one thing that can happen is the dogs are going to start to get, like, some heat exhaustion, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But then if they actually go into full-on heat stroke, that can get ugly, and sometimes there's no turning back from that. That's
1: beyond ugly. Heat stroke is, that's a near-death. If not, you got to put the dog down. Uh, Heat exhaustion you can get your dog back from, but... When they go into heat stroke, they need IV liquids to get them cooled yeah, down. It's, it's the, a big thing. Their it's temperature, their
0: body temperature goes so high that they can start getting brain but, damage yeah, keep, and everything getting else. Getting back to
1: the fans, keeping air moving is a really big thing because even when it's hot, if the air is moving, it keeps the humidity lower. If they're sitting in this dead space, panting and panting, creating more humidity in that environment, it's just getting really, it goes downhill really quick. You know? Yeah,
0: and you were talking about the tubes for the air conditioning too. Yeah, they
1: make an accessory now on some of these... Uh, you know, dog product websites where you can hook a hose up to your uh, air conditioning vent on the front, run that hose back and stick it right into your crate, which is in the back of the vehicle that may not get air conditioning back there. So you're pumping some cool air back there for your dog too. just because it's cool in the front seat doesn't mean if you're in a a van or an SUV, it could easily be a 20 degree difference at the back of the vehicle from the front easily.
0: Yeah. And then you have those shades that you can put up. Uh, what are they? Like the reflective silver ones?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, stuff to keep uh, if so, you're parked.
0: Yeah, so like if the dog is not a crate, now you can pop open the hatch, throw that over, or get one of those things that locks. What's that for the SUVs that we yeah, have? I know like what the locking called, thing. But,
1: yeah, so you can have your hatch back open, but a little someone bit, but can't it's come locked. in and like steal everything out of the car or take your dog out.
0: Which, depending on what kind of dog you have, people may not be going into your car anyway. But these are all little precautions that you can take. And if you're out of the car for five minutes and somebody says something, you can go right back to the car and say, Hey, look, I have this sensor push here. It was 79 degrees in the car. It's actually 82 out here today. I have this sunshade. I have this fan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And People will get off your back pretty quickly. But yeah. the dogs that are loose in the car and, you know, just feeling that sun beating on them, it's hard. It's hard to get out of the sun no matter where you park sometimes when you're in a car. And it's a lot harder inside the car than outside the car. Let's yeah. talk about uh, yards, too, real quick before we're on break. So you have more experience with I will just with to this. conclude
1: with that. In Massachusetts now, it is uh, against the law to leave a dog yeah. in a car under any conditions. Yeah. Yeah, what, we, gonna, what that's why we That's why we. moved. Yeah, to Maine. I, had, I had to leave the state when they when they enacted that.
0: <laughs> uh, dogs and yards. You lived in L.A., so you're more familiar with dogs being oh, okay. super hot. What yeah, kind of so things do you do? So I used to keep do? my
1: dog in a dog run uh, when I wasn't home, and uh, I put a sunshade over the top of that thing to keep the sun directly off the dog. Of course, they had fresh water in there, but I would put those misters
0: like at the amusement across parks. the
1: top, so that I'd turn that on, and so it'd be just blowing this mist uh, on the dogs, and then I would have a fan. Maybe all this sounds like overkill, but this is just what I did for my dogs, and they never had a problem. And it was hot as hell there, you know? But I'd have a you know a fan, an oscillating fan on the dog run, and a mister going, and I never had to stress about the dogs. They'd always be fine, you know? I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, you got to take care of them. I mean, this is why they don't like people, uh, you know, they got to have a non-tip bowl and make sure they have access to water. And they, they enact these laws because people leave their dog tied to a tree in the backyard with no water. It's freaking crazy.
0: Yeah, and it's literally, like, just not a pleasant way for the dogs to go. No, I mean, you're better
1: off shooting them in the head than yeah. leaving them tied to a tree with no water. It's
0: not a fire where you just burn up. Like, heat exhaustion is really traumatic for them. So um, we're going to talk on, on about... On a more
1: pleasant note... <laughs>
0: We're going to talk about uh, the concerns about pavement and getting into a little bit more of the intricacies of heat exhaustion and heat stroke and what that necessarily looks like and means after the break. And we're also going to do the quirky question of the day. dog treats are made with real slow-cooked beef lamb and turkey choose from deli style sausages wolf sticks jerky burger treats and our soft meat roll treats all of our treats are available in bulk or in convenient resealable packages and dogs just love happy howies they are made in the usa and available at thousands of retailers nationwide And online at happyhowies.com. Try Happy Howies today and save 10% with promo code Quirky10. Happy Howies. We're making it real. All right, we are back. One thing about the misters before we move on is you said about running vinegar through them.
1: Yeah, they'll start to get... um, Kind of calcium buildup in those yeah. lines and then they stop working they're yeah. inexpensive. I saw
0: that in the notes. So I just want to mention that. If you go the Mr. Route and you go crazy like us and your house is like Disney World now, put a little vinegar through those every few weeks or months. Okay, we're on to the quirky question of the day. Are you ready? I am. What I didn't even it? share it with you, so maybe you could just answer it candidly. How do I get my dog to come consistently when it's called? And this is from Nancy in Florida.
1: Well, I would say that um Nothing is perfect. First of all, you're not going to get a hundred percent recall out of any dog, no matter how well they're trained. Uh, you may have a very high level of reliability, but if you're if you care about your dog and you're smart, uh, you will be uh, thoughtful about when you take them off leash. And that being said, the way to get consistency is to actually train them to come when called and get them to understand what come means. And uh, and using, I personally would use a long line and a lot of food and it would become a foundational behavior that I start with puppies right from eight weeks. As soon as I get them, if I got a rescue that was two or three years old, typically they don't have a lot of training. They don't come when called. I would go with an electric collar and I would start teaching them to come with an electronic collar to get that reliability, uh, so that the dog could have more freedom. So I could take them off leash in the woods and stuff and actually get that, um, reliability when i call them otherwise they're not going to be off leash if i have a dog that is like well half the time they come half they don't my dogs are not going to be off leash with that kind of a, a consistency rate i would let them drag a 20 foot line behind them when i go for a hike so that i can actually get that long leash if something comes up wildlife other dogs so, I can get them back to me.
0: Yeah, you don't want to get those BS raps of the dog blowing you off. And this is like some weird fallacy that people have a 10 week old puppy and they'll call and say, Well, when I say come, the puppy doesn't come all well, the time. They,
1: well, they, they usually come when they're 10 weeks. <laughs> when Once they're they have five, six when months. When they're in they're their gone.
0: honeymoon phase. The yeah. point of that is you don't want to use your recall word practically necessarily. So, we have recalls for our dogs. I say, you know, sink come to one dog. I say vital here to another dog. We don't actually say, those phrases that frequently. So a lot of times it's just informal, like, come on over here, let's go. You know, pup, up, 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 up. you can get a puppy to you a million different ways. Your recall word should be sacred. So don't just use that and abuse it and get the dog used to just blowing you off when they hear it. Okay. So a few different ways there, but, um, I think overall we covered it.
1: Yeah. The last thing that the dog really understands well is the verbal cue. They understand the uh, physical cues much quicker than the verbal so if you can get the dog's attention, kneel down, clap your hands, you're much more likely to get the dog to come to you than to stand there stoically and say "dog come," and the dog's <laughs> like "f you," and they just they take off down the path, you know.
0: Yeah, and you want to use your good treats for the come command. So if you're working with a puppy, we do these restrain recalls. Give me the pig real quick, so we okay, can. we're going to do, do, do a, a restrain with the pig. All right, so we do restrain recalls with puppies where we hold the front of their chest and we get them really excited to go. This is a
1: corn-fed pig. I got my <laughs> corn right here.
0: <laughs> and then the handler, you know, goes out, whatever, probably 10, 20 feet, you know, at first, and then they're going to do the recall word. And then the handler actually takes off or has the dog chasing something, whether it be food or a toy or something else, but that enacts the prey drive too. And you want to have the really good yummy stuff for come. So don't do a cum session after the dog's had, you know, breakfast or, you know, after it's just gorged in a bone. Like, that's where you have your good yummy treats, salmon, steak, whatever your dog really loves and enjoys. And
1: if you're used to putting like six cups of dog food in a bowl in the morning and it's just there all day, this method is not going to work for you. The dog isn't hungry. The dog has no appreciation for food. It's always there. You want a hungry dog, and that's why we like to incorporate some structure into their feeding schedule as well.
0: Yeah. All right. So quirky question of the day, come when called, is a big one. A lot of people have thoughts on it. So um, those were our quick thoughts that we shared. And um, if you have a recall word that doesn't work, switch it up. Have a new one for this summer. A little bit of a new beginning is never bad. All right. I want to talk about hot pavement because that's something that's often kind of overlooked with um, dogs and the summer and everything else. So we don't think about it much, right? We're going to leave here. We're going to walk across asphalt, go to our cars. I have, I'm wearing my fancy boots today. I got my boots on. Oh, you can't see, but they got heels on them. Those are hooker boots. (laughs) (laughs) Scott's wearing his flip flops too, but he's not that flexible to show you. Anyway, when we walk, oh, here we go. Good job, babe. When we walk out. I think I pulled my hamstring. Yeah, probably. We're going to be on uh, asphalt and it's not going to bother us at all because we're wearing shoes. The dogs and their paws, you guys, it literally can be like walking out from the vet's office into the car, like blistering the next day. Like it can really be a problem. So, a few things that you can do if they're smaller. A lot of people in Florida last year had a lot of blistering and agility trials right from leaving the building. So you can do, um, if the dog's small enough, carry it. We've talked about Musher's Secret before. Musher's Secret is something you can put on it. Or just simply move your car over. Like, don't have the dogs walking over it. Do a quick surface touch with your hand. But it's really hot. We don't feel it so much. You know, when you're on the beach? I'm on the beach more now that I live in New England than when I lived in the Midwest. But you walk through the beach and you're barefoot and you're like, "Whoa, my toesies are a little bit hot. That happens with the dogs pretty quick.
1: Yeah, the pads are similar to people in bare feet. I mean, when I was a kid... If you were in bare feet all summer, your feet got really tough. Then you could walk over rocks and you could you had a better tolerance for heat and things like that. But most of these dogs are living inside in a nice, you know, cushy environment. So it is going to burn their pads. Another thing I'll say, and this did happen to me with one of my dogs once, uh, when I lived in L.A., you know, it's hard to keep, well, it's not hard to keep grass alive, but you got to water the heck out of it all the time. And then if you have dogs, they tear up the yard and they ruin the grass. So I bought... Um, the artificial turf, which looked awesome, never had to water it. Always beautiful out there. It's plastic grass, and when it's 100 degrees out, that plastic grass gets very, very hot. And I didn't realize it. You know, I'm letting the dog out there, and then one day he didn't want to go out in the yard. I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" And he had friggin' blood blisters on the bottom of his pads. He was also a very dri- drivey dog. He'd be out there running around and stuff. But you gotta, if you have a plastic yard. You got to get out there and water that thing down and cool it off a little bit too when it gets super hot. You know. Yeah,
0: and next week we're gonna do. Um, have a
1: sunshade. Have a easy up out there. I know you love easy ups.
0: We got more segments, but I'm just gonna float this now. Next week we're gonna do a intro to get your dogs, teach them how to swim. And as a side note to that, if I don't remember to mention it in that podcast, if your dog's been swimming a lot and then they are running on pavement, their pads are going to be weaker too. So not only is that pavement going to be hot, but be thoughtful of that as if they're softening their pads in the water and then they're ripping around poolside or whatever in between swim sessions, their pads are going to get weaker also. Okay. So heat exhaustion, heat stroke. What is it? How bad is it? Do I want it? No, nobody wants it. Um, but things to look for and specific things that you can do to maybe, um, head off a real emergency. So normally I think of it as like the dog's heart rate's going quicker. The eyes normally look a little bit glassy. Like if you look at the dog, it's like, oh, you know, are you stoned? What's going on? Like their eyes get a little bit glassed over. So you need to be seeing these signs before they're full on like rear end collapse yeah. and that heavy, type of thing. heavy
1: panting, laying on the ground on their side, not taking water is a huge sign of a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, they're overly heated. And they're not taking water. That's a big problem.
0: Yeah. And one thing that's really good, and it's kind of a little known fact, but if you can actually get the dog to like just mosey around and urinate, that actually helps like their system clear out and make sure everything's functioning and everything Also, even if they're not drinking yet. So um, one thing that this is an absolute don't do is if the dog is really hot... You don't want to just like stick their head in cold water. Like so many people think, okay, like my dog's having a hard time. They're really warm. I'm going to go and I'm going to cool them right off. So the best place to cool them off is the head. Well, under their belly is okay. Their armpits are good, but you don't want to just take that head now and immerse it in really cold water when maybe their body temps like 104, 105, and all of a sudden they're in like 65 degree water. Yeah, that's so, what my dad
1: did to me when I was a kid. Yeah, that's explains you know, it's so funny. much. That's true. I had pneumonia. <laughs> He freaked out, took me outside, threw me in the snow. Uh-huh. Yep. I've never been the well. same.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no there's no scientific proof of what he was like before that. So we can't argue that that incident was the issue there. So that's a thing that you shouldn't do. Tell them about the alcohol that you were yeah, reading this about. Is,
1: this is new to me. I had never heard this before, but... Apparently, taking isopropyl alcohol, putting it on the pads...
0: Rubbing alcohol is a commodity now, guys. We learned all about everything it can do um, after the stores didn't have it.
1: It evaporates so quickly, it's cooling the the dog, the paw, and they sweat through their paws, and that's, you know, so that's a thing to do, and... Apparently, I read they did this uh, for one dog when they brought the dog to the vet and it was overheating. They put alcohol in the paws. I hadn't heard about that before, so be careful with it because if the paws are actually torn for some reason, you pour alcohol on them, it's going to be very unpleasant. <laughs> 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 then you'll know how, how sick they really are. They'll either jump up and bite you, or they'll lay there twitching.
0: Yeah, that did happen with your dog. Scott's dog had a weird foot thing a few months ago. I, I think took it was him for a his first allergy. bike ride, first oh, yeah. bike ride
1: of the yeah. season. And he splits a pad on the
0: yeah, a but he had a he had a food allergy, mild. so I had a diluted apple cider vinegar spray that I was doing, and then we use a colloidal silver spray to like heal stuff. And I did the apple cider spray on the split pad, and he wasn't thrilled about that. So yeah. there there is proof in the pudding how sick the dog is when oh, you spray their paws. Oh, another thing about the
1: cooling a dog off, and I mean I heard this early on, and I don't know it makes sense to me. If you have a dog that has a decent coat, a medium or certainly a double coat like a shepherd, uh, if you right when they get out of the water. The best thing to do is take a, a towel and dry them off, you know, towel dry them the best you can, because
0: that, that, that
1: wet um, coat acts like a wet blanket, keeping the heat in their body. And if you dry them off pretty good, it allows that heat to now escape through the hair. And that's why you don't want to just soak the whole dog down if they're hot. Get under their stomach, because their coats are supposed to act as a, an insulator for heat and cold. Keeps them cool in the summer, keeps them warm in the winter. But when it's soaked, it's just a big wet blanket on their body.
0: Yeah. And the risk factors that you're looking for here is if you have a brachycephalic dog, a dog with like a flatter face, pug, something like that, they're going to have a harder time breathing. That was the type of breed that they put in the overhead compartment in the airplane and the dog died and in a short flight. Yeah. Those- Any other
1: dog you could do that with, don't <laughs> do it with an English bulldog. They don't like I that overhead it was, compartment. I it was a
0: pug. But either way, flat-faced dog's concern Your dog's overweight. You need to be a little more conscious about them and their well-being and everything else being out in the heat. And then if your dog has a dark-coated um, fur color, so like dogs that are like fully white seem to tolerate heat a little better than the dogs that are all black and have one little spot of white on their head or something. So just be thoughtful of all these little things because... It depends on the dog about how they're going to tolerate heat, but these risk factors can make it even more of a concern. And humidity is a huge thing. Just because the temp isn't super high, if that heat index and the humidity is up, or if you're now, you know, in the mountains for some reason, you can travel again. Yay, lucky for you. And you have the altitude stuff. All of these things affect dogs and they affect how they're going to process heat and everything else. Don't get yourself in a big, long hike where you're an hour from the car and your dog's having a hard time. Take breaks. Be thoughtful of your dog. And even if your dog is in really good shape, the heat affects us all differently, and it can be a little bit of a concern over the summer.
1: Yeah, bring water with you too. You know, bring a canteen for the dog.
0: Or ice cubes. A lot of dogs just like to kind of just have a little something, wet their whistle, and that's nice and cool on them.
1: Yeah. One thing I would say about uh, the heat and the dogs is our dogs love to retrieve and we don't get the opportunity to go on a lot of hikes all the time. So I'll take the dog out in the backyard and I'll throw the ball for him, you know, six, eight, 10 times, depending on the heat. But I could easily run my dog into heat exhaustion with the ball. So I need to, you know, be conscious of the temperature. And um, even though my dog could do another six or 10 retrieves, I stop before he overheats or gets uncomfortable because he'll just keep going. He just loves it. Yeah.
0: And that brings up, we seem to be talking about dogs, a lot of drive and, oh, well that might not relate to your pets. Well, Some dogs don't seem that physically active, but they're staring at the fricking tree, looking at the squirrel for 20 minutes. And that mental exhaustion honestly can like really amp the dog up as well. So be mindful of that. I have a border collie like that as well. She doesn't have to do a lot physical, but she's putting so much into everything mentally that it's making her more fatigued and more tired and hotter quicker. So just know your dog, um, be thoughtful of what you're dealing with. If you're going into a new situation, keep your dog as a top priority and on the forefront of your mind. Um, and we want you guys to have a fun summer. We've been all cooped up most of the spring. We want you to get out there, enjoy your dogs. Dogs enjoy the nice weather. But you do want to be thoughtful of some of these things yeah, that l- could be dangerous. The last thing you
1: want to do on a beautiful summer day is sit at the vet with your dog, you know, all stressed out.
0: And I know multiple people, guys, who have had dogs pass away from water intoxication and heat exhaustion and everything else. And very, you know... Conscientious dog owners. It can happen quickly. And we know more dog people than a lot of people. So we're not trying to scare you, but you want to see these things, see the warning signs, and then turn things around as quick as possible. Next week, we are gonna do a, how to teach your dog to swim. That is a topic that is near and dear to Scott's heart, and he Just has taught a lot right of dogs Right out in the middle
1: of the ocean <laughs>
0: to swim. If you need anything <laughs> from us, you can email us at studio at the quirky dog.com. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. <laughs>